Welcome to Ranger Stories, a window onto America's national parks that ring New York Harbor. A brief 38 years after its founding by the Dutch, New Amsterdam is taken by the British, but the Dutch residents remain. Learn how their culture of tolerance, diversity, and civil liberties color the city of New York to this day in the third and final episode of New Amsterdam to New York. I'm Steve Lace, Chief of Cultural Resources for the National Park Service Manhattan Sites, more usefully known as the Park Historian. By 1653, when we have a town now instead of a company-owned trading post in New Amsterdam, the population was growing pretty well. Uh, it had gotten up to over 3,000 people. And it had really become an attractive prize for the English in particular. And so, although they did not attack the town in 1653 when the wall was built to protect it, the idea was uh, in the back of everybody's mind. So it wasn't any tremendous surprise, although there was no officially declared war, in 1664 that a British fleet showed up and demanded the surrender of, of New Amsterdam. The reason was that the English king, Charles II, had decided to give his brother, James, Duke of York, and later James II, a nice piece of real estate, namely all of New Netherlands that he could handle. And so the Duke of York organized a fleet and unopposed, sailed over, and showed up unexpectedly. As I say, no state of war existed between England and Holland at that moment, although there certainly were Anglo-Dutch wars throughout the period. So here's Peter Stuyvesant, the soldier, prepared to fight to the last man, and a body of citizens who now had something at stake. It was not just company property anymore. It was their own property. It was their own town that they had governed you know, for 10 years or so, and they were unwilling to see it uh, destroyed by the guns from the British ships. And also the realization I think everybody had was that they didn't have the soldiers, they didn't have the cannon, they didn't have the defense that would really be necessary to prevent the British from destroying the town and eventually capturing it. After a lot of soul searching, Stuyvesant agreed to surrender the place and that's how New Amsterdam became New York. But nobody left. The Dutch remained. Stuyvesant himself became a farmer, and he went and lived on his bowery or farm, which is in the vicinity of the bowery that we call it. And in fact, he remained until his death, and he's buried in the churchyard of St. Mark's in the Bowery on the Lower East Side. And everybody else remained, too. In other words, sure, the name changed. And in some ways, some of the customs changed as well under British control. For example, slaves were no longer permitted to marry, nor could they obtain their freedom and own property. But in general, the business practices remained the same. The Dutch were confirmed in the ownership of their property, because after all, the British uh, attitude was, you know, why mess with something that's going quite well and is proving quite profitable? So just let it be. And in that way, a lot of the Dutch traditions, which were those that they were accustomed to back in Holland, things like 
freedom of religion, toleration, diversity in the population, self-government, local rule, and freedom of expression, freedom of speech. All those traditions became a part of New York, just as they were a part of New Amsterdam. And in those respects, were far different from, and we would say far ahead of, where they were in England itself. So this was a different kind of a place from all the other British colonies. Massachusetts had been founded by religious dissenters, and they were very intolerant of religious differences up there. Virginia had been founded to pick up gold off of the ground and then later on to discover that you could make more money growing tobacco. They were all more homogeneous. The Quakers, who under William Penn established Pennsylvania, saw their colony as a place primarily for Quakers and ruled by them. So in the case of New York, we're looking at a population from the beginning that was composed of very diverse people. They were all expected to contribute, but in a variety of different ways. They were expected to either trade successfully with the Native Americans or to be skilled craftsmen or farmers or shipbuilders, whatever was required. And that tradition of diversity, not only in population, but also in expectations and in skill sets, I think has really defined New York throughout its entire history. And that, that really is a legacy uh, from Dutch New Amsterdam. For more ranger stories and information on the national parks of New York Harbor, visit nyharborparks.org.